Greetings and salutations. This is Rantbox TV. And here we talk about stuff. And that's like subject driven. Politics, uh, music, religion, superheroes, all that kind of fun stuff, basically. And today I'm Ola's Cool Kitchen and I am hosting. But I don't normally host this program. First, I'd like to introduce everybody that's joining us. The person who normally does this show, Mr. John Clay Clay. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Ola, Ola. All right. And we have Reshma joining us. Hello. Good evening, Ola. Thank you. And Ian. Hello, Ian. Hello, Ola. How are you? Good evening. Ah, fantastic. And Jesse Jetski, the best last name ever. Let's begin. We're doing misogyny in the UK. And I'm, actually, I'm going to roll it over to Reshma. She's going to take over the wheels. Reshma, you had something to say. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. If you've already watched part one and part two, you would have seen that we've had some amazing discussions already regarding misogyny specifically in the UK and what's been going on in the last few weeks, month. And uh, I'd call it unrest, perhaps. And um, we've had a lot of social commentary and some amazing contributors. I'm going to take it to a slightly different place now and look at the, the history of of womanhood very briefly don't worry and um, we're going to look at basically how we've come from sort of almost um, in ancient times we've had female worship and um, womanhood revered to a place where perhaps men felt maybe powerless and had to sort of go through a pushback which might have then led to the current place that we now look at as being misogynistic from our perspective in our current lens but of course there are people and cultures right now in this time that don't see it as misogyny especially globally so we've got little pockets of communities that act in different ways but we have the mainstream um, agendas that does seem to be extremely misogynistic and so from that perspective um, I'm looking at how can we kind of find a place where all women can feel safe enough to voice the myriad experiences that they're having and also what John refers to as internal misogyny which some women just will not agree with so so there are many aspects many perspectives and I hope we can dive into some of them today thank you I'm actually going to jump in there because you you've brought something up that interest or something that just came into my head like a, like a light bulb um there was this notion of uh, ancient women um in there you know there was a time where matriarchy was a thing <laughs> you know back in the old days forget about cavemen there was a matriarchal system going on or so there's been recorded and there was this feeling that i or i've read in feminist books or whatever that there was this notion that like men couldn't give birth or whatever I don't know it's just like they couldn't give birth and they were jealous and so they had to make whatever they did more important like you know woman cooking in the kitchen women guy doing it chef you know there there's that kind of thing that that sort of creeped into modern day living and the, and thus also brings about the inequalities of pay as well you know women and men do the same job women get less like all the time. And I know, cause I've experienced it as a DJ. <laughs> um, sorry, did, did, Jetski, is that you? Did you want to say something, ma'am? 
no I'm, I'm just saying i'm just saying me too i agree with you and also i think that yeah in western cultures obviously we are we you know we're operating on a patriarchal system very much so but you you know you have some kind of african tribe cultures that very much operate on a matriarchal society where women are the ones that are held in esteem because they are more powerful they can give birth etc and i think you know we have to look at the fact that yeah most western societies are very much based on patriarchal kind of culture but have you know have a look at how those matriarchal societies work as well because they do still exist in the modern world it's just that obviously they aren't covered because it may be an african tribe in the middle of nowhere that doesn't have you know access to the internet etc so yeah i mean personally i don't never wanted to give birth so i don't really feel my power not saying that if women choose to, that's great. And in the state or whatever should help them because this is, a, I view it as a full-time job, right? Yeah. Right? yeah. You know, they, they should be paid. There's, there's guys in, in CEOs, in companies, especially with Boris Johnson's friends who do absolutely, who are completely incompetent, who make tons of money off of us. And, and women who raise kids, which I think is probably a more noble profession and harder, get nothing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sorry, I'm burbling. Does somebody want to jump in? No, I, compl I completely, I, I agree with what you're saying. It absolutely is. I mean, you know, we're raising the future of the world, basically. And it's a massive, massive job. And anybody that's either has, has kids or has close family I mean I'm literally sitting here with my brother's girlfriend downstairs who's about three weeks away from giving birth to my first nephew very excited oh, but, but just exactly. watching what she's had to go through and watching them build their house and you know my my brother got very much brought up as a feminist my mum's a very staunch feminist who was extremely involved in the second wave of feminism actually did some pretty big things has been brought up as a kind of male male feminist but even within that you know I can see how much more work she is doing than he's doing. So I think what you're saying is, is absolutely the case, you know, that bringing up kids and having a family is a massive, massive job, which should be held in such, such higher esteem than it is. Oh, and yeah, and school teachers need more money. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I think, I think just, everyone agrees with that after months of lockdown. I think parents around the country are ripping their hair out. That's why I'm with this haircut today, just thinking that, you know, <laughs> I mean, get them back to school. I have to say, can I just say, I mean, I, I, I agree with you, Jesse, but there is a kind of way that just from my own experience with having raised children is that there are men out there who are fully hands-on and are, you know, carrying as much of the load. And, you know, there are occasions where you, you balance things and sometimes the woman in the couple takes precedence professionally and the, and the man can sometimes be the one for whatever reason, you know, but you're right. It's not, it's not as, and when, and you're right, when you do it, you're remarked upon, everyone remarks on it, you know, so everyone remarked on whatever I did, but then, you know, billions of women around the world do the same thing and no one's remarking on them. So the exceptionality of male intervention, it's quite, it's quite interesting. I, I also, I also think what it is, is it's not necessarily whether you're male or female, it's the way that society views people staying at home and you know building a family they don't see it as a job they don't see it as something that should be held in esteem I know I mean I do know a couple of men whose wives make huge amounts of money I've got a friend for instance who's a producer his wife is a scriptwriter. she's just got a massive big some I don't know something's doing it in LA anyway and 
Um, he tells a lot of his male friends, you know, they're all in their mid forties that he stays at home, looks after the kids while she goes out to work and he is a laughing stock and he, he mm. is still. And I mean that it's terrible. So mm -hmm. really, I think what we have to do is look at why society, for instance, doesn't value the fact that people have to stay at home and look after their kids. Well, maybe, it isn't, maybe that isn't a kind of, you know, um, gender issue. It's more the way that society looks at families and yeah. But it, there's a it, there's a view. Why are we stuck? Why are women stuck with this? Like, and it's because oh well, we provide the oven to make the baby. <laughs> you know, like we're the we're like we're the we're the you know what I mean? We're the we produce this, so we must you know we gotta get we have to have a, a bond bond with the kid because of milk and stuff like that. You know, feeding the kid with milk and stuff like. That. And then there's there's just like they tried to put this pressure on women like for example this is an interesting thing this is an american thing not exactly to the uk but i'm gonna throw it in there where you got you know those right to like life people they're the really super crazy ones and they're like they want to basically start charging women who have abortions with murder even if they have genetic defects right and they don't these people don't care about children at all right all they want to do is like they want they want the woman's body to make the oven baking thing and then they don't care what happens afterwards there's just like once it's in there it's got to stay you know and and even if there's genetic they're, they're like they were talking about certain types of, of things that aren't real like um a certain type of pregnancy, ecotopian, or yeah, I, 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 you know what I'm talking yeah. about. I'm yeah. But you know, like there, and that's like you know, like putting it back or something like that. And it's just like, oh my god, that the problem with ectopic pregnancies are, are they're incredibly dangerous for a start. So if you, yes, if you have an ectopic pregnancy, you know, chances are your baby is not going to form. It basically can't form into a fully fledged child and or you know fetus and also it can kill the woman so that's effectively killing you know somebody's life for something that can be got rid of with quite an easy medical procedure they don't want you to have that or they want you to or in poland where they don't even allow you to have Mad. abortions Mad. except for defects right their whole thing is right i'm not kidding in poland the government said we want you to even if you have a defect you have a child with defects and it's going to be stillborn we're going to make you have it so we can baptize it afterwards make it christian catholic and bury it it's, it's crazy <laughs> And it is like the idea of we don't have possession of our own bodies. Reshma, what what religion are you, if you don't mind me asking? Or what's your kind of faith basis around abortion? I mean, obviously you don't have to talk about it, but it's quite interesting to look at it from a religious perspective. Yeah, so I'm Muslim, and um, but I can, if I would speak on any person who is faith based, the first thing they say is to sort of not be boxed in with everybody else so just like if someone is liberal do you now wear the uniform of being liberal and agree with everything every other liberal says you know there's a very very vast spectrum of religiosity you know but um you know me personally um i'm not um i'm not pro-life to an extreme but I do believe that we need to take better responsibility with our bodies and the decisions we make. I don't like it when people um, 
have complete freedom to get pregnant uh, as many times as they want to and then put a strain on on a medical system for example to keep having abortions and not have any value for life whatsoever i prefer that that didn't happen yes what would you what would you say a man into it to a man in this kind of a situation because this is a situation that i've faced so many times as a woman and i feel like probably every woman in this group and lots of women who watch this will feel like this i always feel like when i whenever i meet a man it's my responsibility as a woman to take care of the fact that i shouldn't be getting pregnant i think i've had one partner the entire time that i've ever sort of you know, being sexually active, who actively went, no, 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 you know, I've got to make sure I've got condoms, or are you on the pill? Most men don't seem to care. And I always find that incredibly misogynistic. You know, yeah. that's, a, that's a, well, I don't care if you get pregnant. And like, well, I know, have, I'm coming, I, oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. So for example, if you have a religion where the scripture speaks mostly to men on this topic and they give all the control to men in, in that, they also have the responsibility for all of this. Would you also call that misogynistic? Um, yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> gonna start, if men are going to start having control over women's bodies and telling women when they should be having sex or telling women when they can or can't be pregnant yeah that terrifies me yeah, but, but then if the if the emphasis is is morality within that system yeah and man doing justice and protecting the woman's body and yeah. protecting her as an yeah. entity then yeah. you know, it's like with control with power comes responsibility so yeah. sometimes I, of, I often think that when liberals think this way it's worth them actually reading some scripture and seeing what the actual rulings are on this and why the men are given that responsibility it's to prevent this type of misogyny from happening yeah i mean it's, re it's really interesting i lived in when i was a lot younger i lived in tunisia for six months and most people there are muslim and I think, anyway, I think so. So six months, it wasn't the kind of, yeah. Um, but there did seem to be, what a lot of people said was a misogynistic culture came across much more that actually they cared about the women a lot more than seems to in Western societies. There was a lot more protection of women. There was a lot of men who just seemed like they cared. There was some kind of a sort of like, these are the rules we follow, this is what we do, this is how we, we kind of take care of women. And I don't know whether or not that's the right system to go through or down or the right path to go down. But I also feel like sometimes in Western societies, especially in the UK anyway, there's no rules. There's, there is not, this is how we treat women or this is how we treat men. It's just a kind of free for all. And, you, and I don't know what the best way to go is. I'm not sure, but I do think that yeah, there's some sen definite sense in what you're saying, basically, yeah. Um, I actually want to interrupt and say that I've always felt that birth control was on me. I always took it upon myself. I didn't rely on some guy to give a crap. And I, and I viewed it as my thing, as my body. I'm going to make sure I've got my birth control. I'm not suggesting, I'm not having a go at anybody else. I'm just saying for me yeah. personally. I believe I was in control of the birth control because I did not look at, you know, men. <laughs> More like, you know, it's different when you're in a relationship in a committed relationship, as opposed to more, you know, hookups, shall we say? So in terms of the hookups, this was, well, in general, I just looked at it me because I, I knew I didn't want to get pregnant. 
And I knew I would like to try and avoid an abortion if possible, because I, this is not, you know, but I knew that's not what I wanted. And so I was very like, this is on me. And I'm not telling women that it's on them or not telling them it's on them. I kind of believe it's up to, <clears throat> I really believe it's up to people to decide, but I don't look at men misogynistically. I, cause I just knew I would get into situations and guys, there'll be situations where you, you get it together and guy will not care. You know, they're gonna have syphilis. They won't care. They won't even- We ought to let some of the, we should let the men have a voice here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. That, that was a bit of a yeah, weird- That's beautiful, thank you guys. Syphilis, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. What? I don't know. I can't comment on syphilis. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with me. I've always been careful. I just, I'm not Mr. Syphilis, but what specific question do you have for me, Ola? Um, are, are you- Talking to someone, John, sorry. Ola, what specific question do you have for me? Because I can't talk about syphilis with any kind of real <laughs> kind of authority. <laughs> I, I'd like to. There's so many things I'd like to do in life, but that's do, definitely not one of them. Do you think in a sexual situation that it's up to women to take care of birth control? Or do you think as a man, you should basically go, well, we've both agreed to have sex. Like I should make sure that I've got condoms or I should make sure I'm wearing a condom. Because I can... I can tell you literally on like one hand and I've sat with quite a few people, how many guys have like gone, oh yep, cool, I'm gonna get a condom. Like no, like <laughs> men are shit at it. They're terrible at it. They very rarely go, I need to take responsibility in this situation. They, um, they tend to want to do the, the opposite. So I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Um I don't think that the responsibility has to be with one gender or the other. Can't yeah. it just be both? I don't understand yeah. that. I mean, I've always felt in a weird way that I was like badly cast in some frat comedy when it came to some hookups because essentially they'd be surprised that I'd actually go off and get condoms when I promised I would or have them do you know what I mean so in, oh, in that regard I'm not really the best example to ask but nice no, a good example <laughs> what about you Ian what what do you think what do I think? Um, I think it's a freighted, I mean, it's just, it's, it's complicated, isn't it? I think, could I, I'd like to broaden it out a bit. I'm running away from the present. Can I run away from the present? Yeah, because please you do. Started, you started by broadening it out of the UK and looking around the world. And as, as Rushman said, you know, we're a minority in the way, you know, in a way we think of the world, global community, the Western, uh, whether it's UK, US, Canada, Australia, you know, I mean, that, that kind of fraction of the world, which thinks of itself as enlightened as a minority but we don't have to look much beyond these islands and so I'm here in Belfast tonight and you know when you're talking about matriarchy I'm interested in that because um, in Gaelic literature or Gaelic same thing Gaelic Gaelic literature there's this notion of the pre-Christian presence of fertility date goddesses you know like St Bridget for example is a Catholic and saint. Sheila McGay. Sheila. Well there's that as well yeah we can talk about that but 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 St Bridget I want to look at the St Bridget because she before she's Saint Bridget, she's a she's a goddess in a pantheon of of gods, and the female element in what we well, at least what we can ascertain about what is pre-Christian Gaelic religion or Celtic, if you want to call it that, but I prefer Gaelic because it's focusing on Ireland and, and Scottish Highlands, which is my discipline. But it's that what you find is that it's all being mediated through men anyway. Do you know everything we're getting is mediated through the writings of churchmen from the fifth century onward, but. They're, they're taken by it. There's something going on there because they're, they're, they want to at least, at least transmit this idea that, you know, that the female deity, as you've all said, reproductive. You know, you can't escape that, that women, the female element is the reproductive element. And so in, 
in agrarian societies, you had to kind of propitiate the land. You had to kind of, you know, come to the land almost and give it offerings and make sure it's going to be productive and fertile. And, and so the female element was very strong. But then I always get nervous with my students because I think, you know, like Franz Fanon, right? He talks about how in, in, in national liberation movements for, for oppressed peoples of the world, you, you know, the, those people who have been made to feel small and un, unimportant by the empires, whether French or British empires, that when you start to dig back in your past, maybe it's an African past, maybe it's an Algerian past, you start to find, he said, instead of the modern, you know, lack of state status, you find honorable things in your past, right? You, you find elegant things, you find beautiful things. So in a similar way, if you kind of dig back in gender politics, you can get to a place in these islands, we are here today, right? British Isles, UK, Ireland, where, there, where the female element was more respected, maybe, right? It was more elevated, it was prayed to, it was powerful, it was feared. It was kind of sometimes sexually, um, uh, um, um, not just reproductive, but quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hungry, as it were, there's a, there's a character in Gaelic uh, uh, legend um, who's called the old woman of, well, the old woman's not, she's more like a goddess, a winter goddess, and she has many lovers and she lives hundreds of years. And these are stories that are being recovered even in the 1950s by churchgoers in the Hebrides. You know, we're telling stories about this female character who has many lovers and lives hundreds of years. So you can kind of get to that level, right? You can say, especially young students, you can say, well, there is this element in our culture, which, you know, uh, gives precedence to the female, the matriarchy. But then at the same time, at that same period, there's a text which shows, tells a story about a king in Ulster who, there's a woman, the wife of one of his uh, uh, um, court, court uh, what, stewards is pregnant and, and he hears a prophecy that the belly, she's carrying in her belly the most beautiful woman who'll ever exist. And this is, of course, it's a, it's a legend, but it's from the same period of time. And so what does he do? He gets this woman to be kept in, in solitude until she delivers. And when she delivers the baby, he gets the baby to be raised as his prisoner, more or less, as a sex slave. You know what I mean? He gets her, that's not... <laughs> The legend doesn't put it like that, but he's raising her to be his property. And then the wonderful thing in the legend is that she, as a young woman, meets a man. She sees a man and his beauty just overwhelms her. And she takes the initiative and she seduces him. And, uh, and of course, that just leads to their tragic downfall. So, you know, even in that moment where you can think there's matriarchy, there's power to women, there's still this balance, do you know? There's always this balance and well, there's- It's really interesting about what you're saying and what kind of comes back to what you were saying, Ola, about not wanting to have babies, is that when you look at the history of misogyny, what always comes back to is women's reproduction. That's how women have power. And is it not terrible that, because we can't have babies without men, men and women have, you know, it's the only way we make babies. So is it not terrible that the highest esteem that women have is you can reproduce, you can, you, you know, we can't have, we can't have children without, we can't have children or carry on our race without women, we can't have children and carry on our race without men. So why is it not like men who have legends of going off to war and conquering countries and doing all the things, why have women not been allowed to do that? You know, why have women not been able to, why are the, the stories or the, the powerful women why does it always come back to reproduction? And why is that all that women are allowed to be held in esteem for? Why are we not allowed to be held in esteem for going to space or creating something or building oh. stuff? Well, it's often oh. because these 
um, reproductive moments are normally uh, for the male psyche a way to have an accessory you know having that child normally a son that will carry on the power you know and carry on their name isn't it that's normally why these stories are so written in I, I think it's a hangover from property in the medieval times yeah okay I think this is more something that comes in to play more with medi medieval Christianity where you start where, where women are and and even in some cases like in arranged marriages as well where it's about like transferring people would get to you know it wasn't you didn't choose who you got married to and it was all about producing the baby and trying to make sure that she didn't sleep with somebody else but back in those days they didn't have you know genetic tests to, to do that you know so you could have got away with it but what I'm trying to say is is it was about property it was about ownership and property it's like before you you had surplus and people farming and agriculture and stuff like that you didn't have women tied into these roles but it was it's about passing on wealth and using women through children to pass on a legacy there there is there is an aspect of that that, yeah. that, that that rules that we, whole baby we, thing. We have to think in Western society now, we've moved way past that. So, you know, I'm, I'm a woman, I'm 36, probably won't have kids. You know, it's, I'm not entirely sure, but I kind of think a bit like you said, you don't really want kids. I don't think I really want kids. So what is, in a way, it wouldn't be terrible if someone turned around and went to us basically, well, you don't mean anything because you don't want any kids. Nothing that you've achieved in your life. And I know that I've achieved a lot as a human being. You know, if all of it was, or, you know, you haven't had kids. I mean, that's, you, you know, it's, again, it's another way of really society, which we all know is based on patriarchy going, you're not worth anything, you know, kind of basically holding women down and going it's still not worth anything because you haven't been able to produce kids and I, I don't know just kind of screams misogyny again to me anyway but you know it, it is but it's like but it's a hangover it's a hangover that you say well that that happened a long time ago but it, it that system that's been in play is still kind of there like oh is she a slut d -d 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 you know is it my kid you know there's all these there, that's still very much an issue and and the richer people are the more of an issue it is because they have something to pass on to someone else i mean there is a, also the, you know this whole thing about like oh i'm a woman and have kids but also there as we're going on and and, and it's now becoming only certain wealthy people can have children and part of the reason i don't want to have kids is i don't i couldn't afford it there's yeah. just no way i want my money for me yeah, yeah. all right but like but yeah, it's going to come in the next century or so, especially with the, uh, if resources become as difficult as they are to obtain. Like we're, I've read that we're going to have water wars within our lifetime. The next great necessity is water, not not fucking petrol, mate. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and we're not going to, you know, it'll only be certain types of people that will be allowed to reproduce or be able to afford to reproduce. Yeah. And then I wonder what women's role will be. I mean, we have. You know, it's like, you know, the myth of Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah. I really love this because this deals with our role in repro reproduction. But if you look at Frankenstein, it, it the notion is that w we have a man that created life. Yeah. 
itself is a really interesting thing. And now we have the test tube babies. And now, yes, you do need a man, but you can get you can get like sperm. You don't actually need to reproduce that in that sense, you know. So I mean, I'm wondering how these things are going to change. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. With you know the idea of matriarchy, misogyny all these kind of things. I mean, these, these are just the past influencing yeah. what we still have. Does, does anybody think that in Western society now we could revert back to or achieve a matriarchal society? What do you reckon, John? Do you think that's possible? Interesting question. How would you, how um, would you, how would you see that happening? I think as we see uh, more divided um, communities having um, a voice, particularly based on what was happening last year, various um, aspects of race and obviously gender coming up with stuff that JK Rowling was saying, it's easier to answer that question regarding bubbles. So to actually say that we could have a overall change in the UK, having a, a matriarchal power, um, I'd say definitely in progressive circles, definitely yeah. in communes where you have to like work together to like um, work the land and whatnot. But if I think about the square mile, if I think about the people that will vote for Boris Johnson, I don't necessarily think they're ready to escape aspects of patriarchy because it's synonymous with capitalism um, yeah. and neoliberal attitudes. It's, I'm going to touch on what we discussed in the last episode. And, sure. and, and see these women behind me? All right. Yeah. You know who I got here? I got Kamala Harris. I got Jacinda Arden. And I got Stacey Abrams. And I just want to say, what do we have in England? Oh, it's Theresa May, <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. Can I be a dissenting voice, though? <laughs> Please go ahead, jump in, Ian. What do you got to no, say? No, just because. I mean, maybe it's because I'm Canadian, but I've been in the UK for 26 years. But when I look at Kamala Harris, and I understand all the reasons why I should be, and I am, I'm impressed by her ascendancy, but her ascendancy doesn't give me any comfort. You know, her, her, her position in the Palestinian conflict makes me afraid. There's many issues, there's many positions she holds that I frankly, uh, you know, I don't think her gender is enough to, to yes, in the sense that she's a, a woman of, you know, Jamaican father and Indian mother. Um, uh, let's also though, I think in terms of class, which I'm interested in, let's also, I think, rush to say both parents were academics, right? So she wasn't a street sweeper's kid. Do you know what I mean? She's a, um, she's a well, woman actually, who, she was part of a busing program. Yeah, I know that. I know that but her, she but she her wasn't mom, like from a, yeah. a rich background. No, I'm not saying yeah. that, but her, but her mother came as a grad student. She didn't come as a domestic, right? She's not, her mother is not, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's gender, there's class and there's, uh, there's ethnicity. She was still bust. It wasn't, you know, Joe Biden's Ian, I would like to interrupt just a moment and say this. I totally agree with you. I had my issues with Kamala myself. She was district attorney in LA, in California, and she incarcerated many black Africans unnecessarily. I, but then I looked at her voting record and then there was a quite more progressive stuff than I even realized. So I'm going to let her give her, let her, like I've, I've got, I've heard many different things on this and I totally agree with you, but I want to stick to the idea of in the UK, we cannot get rid of misogyny without having progressive women in power ever, without even having a labor and leader that is female, you know, the, like this is what we've discussed. And I think this is super important. And whether you like Kamala, Stacey Abrams is freaking cool. And Jacinda Arden, get this, Jacinda Arden, though I love her, 
She worked with Britain first to get elected the first time around. Yeah. Yeah. Very. yeah, but then she got rid of Britain first when she didn't need him. <laughs> so like, yeah, bye, I'm got, I got enough votes, I'm so popular, I'm gonna do what I want. You know, and the, you know, the, you, Jacinda Ardern, Justin Trudeau, people have said they're kind of like that. You know, I think she's a little bit more progressive than Justin Trudeau. That's but, what I'm, but what I'm trying to say here is we don't have anything even close to that. Whenever we see a woman in power, it is Theresa May. Yeah. It is Margaret Thatcher. It is the Queen. Blah. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. So you need more liberal women in power. We need more. How would you? How would you? How would you go about doing that? I think we need more women MPs. Yeah, we do. And voices of MPs. I mean, I just I'm not excited by Jess Phillips. I mean, I know she's got, she does a lot of vocal stuff for feminism and, and stuff, but I just, I've never been super excited by her. And I don't. Did you ever so look into the Women's Equality Party? Did you ever look into the Women's Equality Party? Oh, you know what? I got a mail through. Yeah. Um, really? You know, with a mayoral election. Yeah, yeah no, I had, a, I, look, I had a look at that. But the thing is, and this is why I'm not voting for, the, for that party, is because I don't want Sean Bailey yeah. <laughs> I'm voting because I can't, yeah. you know, I could, I could, you know, if you want to throw my vote away on some party that's only going to get a small amount, yeah. that's the problem. We need someone in the Labour Party. I think though, since what happened with Sarah Everard, and I hate that somebody had to be brutally fucking murdered for this to happen, do you not think there has suddenly been a change? Do you not? So for instance, I mean, there seemed to suddenly be a massive amount of media coverage about women, which I, I've never seen the amount of women that were on TV speaking about issues that really affect women. And, you know, I suddenly thought, fucking hell, this just, it just doesn't happen. We just never really see this amount of women talking about female issues on, covered by the media. And it was amazing. It was amazing to finally, you know, horrible that that had to happen, but it was like, Oh great, finally we get to actually Yeah, sorry John, what are you saying? Um, what you're saying is fundamentally interesting and it intersects with something that Ola said and something I'm about to say. It's fantastic that we've had um the beginnings of that awareness or rather seeing that awareness in media. But the issue is there isn't someone progressive enough in power, as Ola yeah. is saying, to carry that into legislation yeah. that is going to be fair and yeah. what I will say before I let you guys carry on because I'm, I'm just enjoying watching this is that the aspects of politics um, that we're talking about in terms of progression and the importance of intersection is great what I would love to see is more powerful progressive women in control of the papers because that yeah. media has got so much power when you have Rupert Murdoch and so many other people who have a very very, very archaic idea as to who women are and what they are in society. If we're not controlling the news through a certain lens, then what hope do we have for that matriarchal society that you hope to bring into being? I mean, I'm just, just talking also from a personal perspective, not so much politically, but music wise. I mean, I literally was having this conversation with somebody and saying, how many, you know, really decent, really well-known female promoters do you know? I mean, like, how many do you know, John? Seriously. Apart from you, not many. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, yeah. How many DJs, radio, yeah. female radio hosts? Just me. How many women? How many women who are controlling festival lineups? Yeah. You, know, say, you just what we haven't got in this country, and I don't. Are you from the states, Ayla? Yes, I am from Chicago, but I came here in '91. 
wow so you've been okay cool so <laughs> i don't know what it's like in the states but basically what we're really trying to say is there are no females in powerful positions in this country really and that's the truth and it's looking at how we go about trying to change that how do we change that and i for one think that we can't change that without men being on board with it and i hate to make it about men because i don't want to but i think unless we unless men go all right well this is actually happening and you know are willing to change that how how are we going to change it you know, oh, well, I, 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 they're only fucking start bombing things and you know great like I'm up I, I don't like to put it on men I really don't I think it is a as I said in my in the last video I think yeah, it is yeah. a it is something that we it's our black lives matter moment okay we suddenly went shit a woman killed by a policeman what yeah, a surprise yeah. a white woman killed by a policeman and it's kind of like duh <laughs> did you really think you were safe <laughs> you know i what it what it means is like we are connected we have to work within class we have to work within um uh, race and 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 both genders i don't i i told i'm not saying you don't have a good point you do jesse you totally do yeah man come on join the party come on you know you want to but yeah. it's not just it's we have to work together and and, and and i think probably we have more in common with people of a certain class and we're more likely to work with people like i don't see me working with upper class yap yap or or, or you know haughty toddy related to duke but I think, you know what we're saying is essentially the same thing that we have to work men and women together to make a change and there has to be enough men willing to go well actually having women in power is going is going to make everything better not i am a man and i want to retain my power and women can fuck off which is what has been happening for centuries that is what happens and you know unless we are massively going to go okay well we're going to go and start you know setting fire to letterboxes and you know <laughs> which they need to do in that set of circumstances but it may be that that is what women need to do at the moment to be taken seriously. Uh, I don't know about the letter boxes, but may, yes, maybe something revolutionary does have to happen. I'm not sure about the letter boxes, bless you. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, we, we do. We, it, is a, it is a very serious wake up call. We yeah. actually do need to, to look at it. What people have been discussing online, how, what do we do? What, what are the ways in which we can, you know, make sure that women are not going out and being killed, that women are not fucking terrified all the time. How do we change that? And th those are really the discussions that need to happen and this, be heard much This more. is very good. I want to ask Rashma, do you have some thoughts on it? Because I, I, do you, how can we not have women killed? What can we do? How can we not Sorry, I, I syphilis again. Sorry, it's just like <laughs> beg your beg your pardon, <clears throat> Rashma. I I wanted to hear more from you because I didn't actually. I think I'd like to touch upon what you might be thinking. Okay, thank you. Um, both you um, and Jesse have had some amazing points, and it has, as John said, been lovely listening to you both. And um, I have so many questions for you, but I know I have to sort of kind of. Maybe oh, great. Streamline. I'm going to streamline it, which is unfortunate. So let's just, I'll focus on this very last point. See, um, so both of you coming from, you know, the, uh, I, 
liberal white female perspective in sure is that, is that okay for me to say that you can say that yeah so it's just interesting because you know something for example that's been going on for a long time is every time there's a, a so-called terrorist attack the um the violence in the public sphere against visibly muslim women spikes yeah. mm. Yeah. So, um, this has been going on for quite a while and you know there are some beautiful sisters that come and help in these and support publicly what goes on but there's a lot of people that have no idea this is going on so I also find it interesting that it took for uh, a white female to be killed in this brutal yeah. fashion for, yeah. for people to sort of take part in this dialogue do you know what I mean yes yes so, so one of the most important thing is like Jesse was saying and, and then you, you said it as well sorry about connecting but you said connecting I think Jesse said working together which is the same thing understanding all the different female communities and um, all the different voices that can be part of this dialogue and then before we can even think about um, what the men can bring to this dialogue yeah. And I think one of the most important thing is to understand that there isn't a singular female voice. And even yeah. use of the word progressive, which I think mostly has come from you, John, but I'm not against it, but it's more that, what does that mean? You know? You're right, you're right. Yeah. The idea of progressive doesn't necessarily conjure up all the demographics that will be affected, let alone the ones who will not have a voice within that media again. The only reason why um, we are talking about Sarah Everard is not just because of what happened, but the how the media was happy to, in a way, use that to say, hey, we understand people, what's going on, we can get behind this in a way we didn't get behind ideas that were propagated last summer via Black Lives Matter. I mean, a young boy goes missing, and that doesn't necessarily make the news in the same way. Why? Because he is not an accessory to that patriarchal thought. So therefore, why should he be presented as something that we can get behind? Not to go completely off topic, but it always comes back to that. It comes back to patriarchy, selling papers, capitalism. And that's what we have to dismantle by that intersectionality. Yeah. Yes. Reshma, did you have any other questions? You said you had a bunch. I'm yeah, okay. So here's one more which is specifically. Um, so in order to have a, a woman, this word again, that's progressive um, in the UK, I'm just wondering, not only what does it take with, I, I think Jesse already asked, but um, perhaps more importantly, why is it that in particular power structures, when a woman is in a position of power, she either emulates a masculine way of doing things, or she is literally a puppet, which ends in the same thing. She has a masculine way of doing things. Why do you think that happens and how can we combat that? I think it probably, I mean, personally, I just think because of power structures that have been going on for such a long time, uh, that that's, that's what it's almost expected. Um, but again, it's looking at how we change that and how you know maybe it goes back to what I was saying before about women not just being seen as you know there to reproduce women are complete whole human beings without having to produce babies and maybe it takes I don't know if anybody's seen uh that meme that's going around of a picture of Kendall Jenner next to the girl who's the astronaut Has anybody just, just see, sorry can I interrupt who who is Kendall who is Kendall this person Jenner. so Kendall Jenner is like Bruce Jenner, Kardashian, one of oh, the- Oh God, okay, I don't know these. In the world. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. All right, one <laughs> of those. It's, it's a meme saying, you know, she's got like a billion hits on a picture and this astronaut, you know, 
and and really looking at all the different facets of women rather than just oh wow you know their biggest power is to reproduce you know maybe it's it's all about pushing women who are engineers or you know basically that's what I'm trying to say looking at what women do rather than just the fact that they're there to reproduce I don't know I don't know I wish I, I did <laughs> I have a I have something I wanted to just interject. Thank you, Jesse. Um, I, I feel that we don't have Jacinda and Stacy for a reason, okay? We have a country that believes it's mostly like white, okay, for a start. And it's very conservative. And I'm just saying, I'm just gonna talk about the Kingdom of England. Because I believe that Scotland and I also believe Northern Ireland and Wales are, are kind of different. You got different things going on there and we have and and we're and we're devolving so it's just getting we can't we don't have a unifying party so we're just stuck in conservative england yeah, yeah. we are at the moment uh, yeah and we are i think i think we have been for the last 10 years i think new labor was conservative but i think if you look at the history of of the uk we haven't always been stuck in total conservatism Oh, I can't say that word, but yeah. Atlee, hello, Atlee government. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love you. You're awesome. Now, but what I want to say is this, I, you know, I'm going to do the punk rock thing. I'm going to give you the punk rock school of thought. In the 70s, people would watch and they would go, hey, I see um, somebody up there who can't play an instrument, but they're up there anyway. And look at them, they're playing a guitar, yeah. I want to do that, and 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 women started to. I mean, even before the seventies, there was a lot of garage bands in the sixties. A lot of girl garage bands. Yeah. We need more examples. We need more women to get out there and pick up that guitar. And by I mean pick up that guitar, also being politics, <laughs> and 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 represent something, a unified vision of the UK, because everybody, okay, you know why I have Jacinda Ardern here? I want to talk about Jacinda Ardern. This is very, very important to me. When the Muslim attack occurred in New Zealand, this is what I loved about Jacinda Ardern. She went to that mosque and she took the people that were assaulted in this mosque and she said, you, you're us. She went to them and said, you're us. The person who perpetrated this crime, which also happens, I mean, it wasn't a New Zealander. It was an actually white racist Australian. So it was an immigrant. To, so, but she basically said, that guy is not us and he will never touch us. But she said, and she said she included that community that was part of New Zealand. And we need that here. We need the women. We need the Afro-Caribbean population, the Northern Irish folks, the Scottish folks, the Welsh folks, and every immigrant European whatever who's here to be viewed as a real citizen, okay? Yeah, yeah. And we need to embrace them yeah. because <laughs> there's no so, lack of misogyny. And there's I, no I, I can so I know the culture works really well there. For a start, you have like, I you have this still hardly any people there so it's 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 a real new society and what you also have is a maori culture there and the women are it's it's not a matriarchal culture but the women are in, held in much higher esteem than women are in this country so you have that as a basis and what you have also is you know kind of 
West, a Westerner society that's only been there for sort of 150 years. Mm. So you've, they, it, it's a really new culture. I mean, you mm. know, British it's a new country. It's it, a new, very much a new country, country. which is structuring at the moment, I still think anyway. Jesse, just hold a second. Um, yeah, I was gonna, John wanted to say something. Um, Sorry, yeah. I, saw, I saw his finger and, um, and then I'm gonna go to Ian, yes. Well, essentially that's what I wanted to do because I know Ian's got an association with two books that would be quite interesting to hear his perspective. I didn't want to take over from you, Ola, but- I just No, I was actually just gonna go to Ian. Around. I was literally gonna ask Ian because I saw him and I thought, oh, he looks so, I want to hear from him. He looks so lost. Lost? Not at all. <laughs> not lost. I, I'm neglecting you. I'm so no, rude. I'm not neglected or lost. I'm listening. I'm listening. That's a, that's, a, that's a lost virtue in our modern world. My grandma used to always say, anyone can talk. It takes a certain skill to listen. But sure. um, Ian, I want to hear you talk, though. I hear woman. You talk. No, I just think that they're complicated questions. And I think I kind of, I'm siding with, with what Bresham says and John as well, because the thing about, about the, the capitalist uh, um, structure upon which everything is based. So I come from a university lectures background and I've seen cutbacks in universities in the UK. And when, they, when, the, when the cutbacks happen, it doesn't matter who's in charge. Like Reshma said, you go, you know, there's, most universities have a very high representation of women in leadership roles, but they're still making the brutal economic cuts which are based upon a paradigm in which a university is a cookie factory. Do you know what I mean? If it's not making a profit, if it's, if it's too much in the red, you cut back. And right. I, I reject that. I reject that business metaphor. And I've been rejecting it since I was an undergrad in Canada in the 80s. I just I don't like that education is intrinsic. There's intrinsic worth to being educated. It's not you don't go to university or anywhere to get a job. You go there to be educated, you know, and that's from a working class background where none of my friends went to university. And so I think so much has to change. It's not enough just to have women in power in, in positions of power. Unfortunately, it's not because like Reshma says, they either follow the male mold or they're supine and they just, they just topple in the face of the overwhelming, what John says is the overwhelming capitalist push, the thrusting push to, to, to make savings everywhere, except of course, as you say, all in the pockets of you know, the, the funding. There's a, great, there's a great phrase from Canada, and it's, it's a shame, and I'm glad you're talking about New Zealand, Jesse, but Canada is the, is the, is the, is the much, um, I'm not saying this is a Canadian, I just think there's a lot you can learn from the country, which has its sins, its manifold sins. And we haven't even talked about indigenous people tonight, but you know, when I look at the States, when I look at New Zealand, when I look at Australia, when I look at Canada, I think what have those settler countries done to their, na their native populations? It's been genocidal in every instance. Yeah. In every instance, New Zealand as bad as Australia, but maybe variations in degrees because Canadians and New Zealanders, we always like to think that we're cleaner than Americans and Aussies, you know, we're better, we're less racist, we're, we're more moderate, but if you're an indigenous person, you know, in Canada, I know can I can speak for young indigenous people who are angry with all of the injustices that are visited upon them daily, like not having water, not having, you know, having children still taken away from families where they wouldn't be taken away from a white family. So I think these questions are so complicated that, I, you know, and I guess the thing that comes, I keep hitting upon is that you talk about my sister's book, John. So my sister has a book about harm, but she's looking at the 18th century novel but she's really interested in how harm is caused. And even when it's not caused with intentionality, there's still harm that can be a series of events can happen. And one of the things she talks about is pornography. She's, that's, not the, that's not her subject, but she quotes feminist scholars who preceded her and, and how so, some of them, especially one called McKinnon, looked at actually in the States, Ola, 
taking pornography, the producers of it, and treating them as torts, treating them as a civil liability. So whatever happens down the line, doesn't matter how far down the line it happens, if a young woman is attacked because of something which has been occasioned by, in the initial instance, this act of pornography, then you go and take that producer of that material, that producer of that entity, Frankenstein, if you want, to court. And um, yeah, so I mean, harm against women, massage in the UK, it's, it's rampant, you're right. And it wasn't just, you're right though, Jesse, the Sarah Everett's murder was, um, but Reshma, you were talking about a, a murder close to where you live. And um, it, I think it's those moments that make you realize that women are vulnerable. And, and I think growing up with a really, I grew up with three really strong women, a grandmother, a mother, and a sister. And uh, they wouldn't have called themselves feminists because they were from a working class background, but they were in effect, you know what I mean? I had a model to see around me what, what they were doing. But, but you knew from a young age that, that there was violence out there and that women were going to be the, bear the brunt of it, you know? And yeah. uh, unfortunately, that's not, I don't see that changing tomorrow. Uh, so I actually have this to ask you, Ian. Um, <clears throat> what do you perceive? When, oh, wait, sorry, Jesse, you want to say something? I, I have to go. I'm really sorry. I have to sort something out. What, wrap, wrap it up. Just, just I need to go. I'm really sorry. It's really nice to meet everybody, though. Nice to meet you. I'm really sorry, guys. It's really good to talk as well. You're awesome, Jess. Love to nice speak to you guys. Oh, you guys. Love to come again. Very nice to meet you. Bye. 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 I actually have a question for Ian. You know, yeah, no, oh, oh, ask, please. Um, I wanted to know um, what you think we need to do to address and uh, stop misogyny or to, to, you know, get rid of misogyny in the UK. Any of your thoughts on this? Education. I mean, I think it's. I you don't think know. education, right? Yeah, I think that, I think, I think because educate, and I mean it in, in a really fundamental sense. You know, you always, I think there is hope out there. When I see the way, you know, um, there is hope. There are buds. There are like spring buds of hope out there. And it's too early to, to think that the whole tree is just going to be rotten. But we'll have to see what happens in the future. I mean, I definitely know all of that. I, you know, I come from back where I saw, you know, innumerable instances of violence towards women. You know, domestic, domestic abuse that wasn't talked about. Or mothers of friends who would arrive with black eyes. You know, this is stuff that... And so when it happens, like Reshma says, when it happens to white women, suddenly everyone, you know, no notices it. I was thinking of the Me Too movement. Remember before Weinstein's victims who were by and large, you know, white American women of a certain economic status. Before that, remember Dominique Strascan raped an African chambermaid in, in a New York hotel. And that didn't seem, it, it had a lot of repercussions in terms of, oh, what a, you know, like a kind of a, a terrible thing that he had done that, but it didn't start that tsunami that the other revelations did. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. Because I mean, essentially we hold Hollywood's elites in such high esteem, they are our Olympian goddesses. So if one of them basically speaks out about what one of them has been you know, going through, then it transforms everything. Like I'm so down with what you're saying. Like it, it depends where it kicks off. Yeah. Um, well, I, okay, there's a, the notion of like, does this, start a tsunami is it a certain person white person but also at the same time there's a throughout hollywood there was this was no surprise there were women being abused white women women of color constantly in hollywood and they were they were totally not listened 
to until something happened. And there have been women, white women constantly beaten, working class women beaten yeah, behind yeah. the scenes, just like other women who have been beaten in other places. Um, I don't know, like, is there a certain amount of privilege that comes with the voice breaking through? Like, you know, you, you suddenly we're talking about mental illness because Meghan Markle said something. Whereas we've been suffering for a year and a half here <laughs> going, eh, and we're not even in the royal family, okay? <laughs> Just like, I think know. definitely media has a way of constructing the story of the right elements because Weinstein is who he is. He was um, in an opportune moment for the media to become the face for everyone to basically say, hey, this, this guy, if we get him, then we can end misogyny, you know, which obviously isn't the truth. The same thing can be seen when it comes to matters of race. Like, hey, George Floyd's killers, if we can just put them into justice, then we can end racism. Obviously, these are all hyper hyperbole, but that's how these um, institutions want to run that narrative. Um, Reshma, do you have any thoughts on this? I don't know. Yes, exactly what you were just saying about the institutions running the narrative. I think from what Jesse and Ola have, have said in, in their, the main focus of their dialogue today shows me that it, it really is time for a lot more people to get involved in, in that dialogue. And because we, we are in an age where we can all speak to each other uh, via the internet, it helps so we can be a part of this dialogue and um, and not just leave it to the, to the real sort of uh, controllers of power. Um, but also um, in part two, uh, the previous episode, sorry, when you were speaking to no Nuni, Nuni, sorry, you said that um, it's uh, it's a dialogue that um, that needs a different frame. I think you said something like that. It needs a different frame. Uh, we've got to recontextualize, in a sense, misogyny. And I really liked how you both sort of um, uh, danced around that topic and tried sort of lots of different variations of it. So I do urge anyone who watched today to also watch that one to just get a, a, a slightly wider perspective on where we came in on today. And, um, and then maybe we can have one last episode to round it all up. Oh my God, more. <laughs> I feel Our like middle we, audience is very afraid. <laughs> I, I just feel that we have covered a lot of what we needed to say. And I, I will say this, we need unity. We need education. We need intersection, action, sectionality? Intersectionality, that sounds really bizarre when I <laughs> say that out loud. But, but intersectionality, we, we need that crossing over and we need good examples in the media of women in power that are not male clones, I think. You're here. And I think that's it really. I really enjoyed um, your hosting, Ola. It's been beautiful. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Ian, for joining us today. I hope that you'll join us for the next one. And thank you, John, for, thank you. for this amazing platform. I love it. And I love being here. And I love you. Oh, my God. I love you, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Rashma, for, for saying to everybody. I want to, before we go, I want get, to get everybody to say who they are and what they do um, and John could you also introduce um, Jen Jesse Jetski because she left before she um, could tell us what she did um, uh, yeah this is Rantbox TV uh, there will be links to everything in the video below um, thank you for joining us and I would like to know John 
Who are you? What do you do? I'm an author and I'm a director. Um, so just want to say, Oli, you did a fantastic job today. So just awesome. Um, but yeah, I write, you know, literature. I also do music videos. Uh, and when the pandemic hit, I was stuck with not being able to do elements of my day to day. And so Rantbox TV just seemed to erupt out of what I was doing um, alongside others, Alfredo, who was the editor, and also Dee, who founded the channel. Um, if you want to check out more about me, then there's a link in the bottom. Um, Jessie Jetski had to leave earlier. She is a musician, a really good promoter, um, and she's also a keen nudist, so it's a pity we didn't get her. What band is she in? Is she in? So she does her own stuff under the name of Martha Makes Mistakes. Um, okay. I'm sure because there is even more to be said. I can't wait for you to see um, the other video that will be going out um, very soon on Misogyny because um, the editors, uh, the directors that we had there knew they had so much to add to this conversation. Um, but I'm sure we'll get Jesse Jetski on again to talk about e elements of her lifestyle and how that, you know, in some way can show something about misogyny. So. And then I'd like to go to Ian. Who are you? What do you do? I'm a, a lecturer and I've been socially isolated way before it was fashionable. I teach with uh, <laughs> video conferencing uh, for a university in Scotland called UHI, University of the Highlands and Islands, and teach Gaelic or Gaelic, Gaelic literature, language, poetry, history. And I'm also a writer and a broadcaster and a belated reader of my sister's book, because even though this is a great book, she wrote it 10 years ago and I've had it for 10 years I only read it last year she knows this so when she sees this video oh. but you know every for every for, for, like in relationships there's a, there's a moment of communion you have to wait for the right moment so I had to wait for the right moment but yeah that's what I do it's all Ian. Ian you can explain this to her in person you can't use this channel to heal some family risk that's just not happening man it's not fucking happening <laughs> and uh, I would like to say Rashima who are you I am an artist and I'm currently working with the Salam Project and um, dealing mostly in art therapy mentoring um, within sort of a criminal justice system, uh, gang mediation and also education with uh, football and, and boxing as well, by London Rangers, for example. Thank you. Awesome, right? Okay, I'm Always Cool Kitchen, and I created a radio show because mainstream radio sucks. And this is Rant Box TV, 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 you know the deal. We're all tired. We're all misogynist out. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs>